Well, hey everyone and welcome. I'm so glad that you are here. I'm back. I've been away a little bit on my annual jaunt to Minnesota where uh, we take some time on a vacation slash study break to, uh, to read and reflect and refresh the vision and recharge the batteries and reconnect with family and all of that stuff. It's so important and it's, it's really, really good to be back. I, I was in the, the place of uh, the land of 10,000 loons, if you know where that is, right? You maybe heard of that. Here's a picture that kind of sums up our vacation right here. If you can see that picture, you know about our vacation. It's about people with smiles by a lake and it's family. That's what it's all about. That's, that's our jam. That's what we do. And it was a great time and, and did all the things we'd hoped it would do. But I certainly am stoked uh, to be back. Um, you know what I discovered when I came back is that, and you might already know this, but we have an absolutely awesome, amazing staff at Mountain. I mean, this team stuff, we did not miss a beat. God did so many things through this team and this church over this summer. It was like, I keep thinking one of these years I'm going to come back and people will be like, oh, Ben, welcome back. It's still like, oh, were you gone? Because we don't miss anything and it's amazing and I love it and it's great. And um, one of the things that everyone's been working on while I've been gone, you've probably already started hearing a little bit about it. It's going to be very exciting. It's happening this fall. I just want to tell you a little bit about it from my heart because there's a, there's a real problem and I don't think some of us realize what a big problem it is, but there's like 80% of Americans that, that have this sort of nagging, frustrating discouragement in their spirit about their personal finances. It's like a big deal. There's so much stress over debt and arguing over, over money and, and spending and confusion about how to handle with investments and savings and insurance and all of this stuff. And it's like this big elephant sitting on the chest of so many people and we just want to, we got to do, do our part to, to fix some of that. And that's what this fall is about. In fact, we're so excited about eating that elephant one bite at a time that we have invested and paid for your participation already in what is a time-tested, like millions of people have used it and thousands of amazing stories have come out of it, a time-tested, biblically-based curriculum of, of learning to set us free from that kind of financial stress and it's for every one of us and it's called Financial Peace University. It's nine weeks long. A lot of people are getting jazzed about it. We've got like a hundred groups already formed and, and starting to happen and um, you don't want to miss one of those and they meet every day of the week. Others on Zoom, they're at home, they're in campuses and morning and evening, whatever. It's all free. The kid stuff's free, all of it. Just go to the website, check out the QR code, whatever you want to do and just to be clear, this right up before we ever get close to this saying, this is not about the church asking for money. This is about the church helping all of us get free from that elephant that sits on our chest sometimes. We all deal with money. It just makes sense to do it God's way. So let's spend time doing it. Don't wait too long because the registration isn't going to be open forever. All right. People, my peeps at Abingdon, are you there? My peeps at Aberdeen, are you there? Okay, I need the folks from Edgewood to give out a shout and we want to give a shout out to the Mountain Road peeps and those joining us online, will every one of you just right now Take a deep breath and um, collect, your, collect yourself up a little bit. Draw yourself up in your chair and let's, let's begin with prayer today. Shall we do that? It feels important to me. Let's pray. Father God, someone listening to me right now is discouraged. 
Some of us, Lord, we're, we're just, we're feeling kind of defeated or deflated about something. We're just down and wondering if it's even worth it. God, there's, it's, we keep going on the outside, but on the inside we're wondering if we can stand up under the howling winds of the pressure or whether it'd be just easier to quit or go away. Someone, someone needs endurance today, Lord, an infusion of your strength to persevere, to get through a battle or to finish a race. Lord, someone's facing doubts about themselves or about you, about the whole world right now. Someone's upset with someone. Someone's upset with the church. Someone's, someone's feeling the hope and spark of their marriage die inside and they're wondering if it's time to just call it. Some of us have made choices that have taken our lives down painful paths, secret paths, and we're wondering if it's even worth trying to find our way back. Father, some of us are sick and some of us are tired. Some of us are sick and tired. We're all sick and tired of this pandemic and the politics and the pain in the world around us as we just prayed to you. So, Father, speak louder to us now than the voices telling us to give in or give up. Because we're turning to you and your word and we're asking for your help for endurance and perseverance and grit and a commitment that is bigger than something we can do on our own. And we're asking, we're asking in faith in you so that we can stand firm. And we pray this in Jesus' strong name. Amen. Click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. Over and over and over. 21 steps. And then a pause for 21 seconds and then a pivot. And then click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. This is not, uh, this is not me trying to learn how to line dance. That's the rhythmic step of that sentinel, that soldier who guards the tomb of the unknown soldier. You've seen it, some of you, I bet, down in Arlington Cemetery, just a few miles south of us. It's a time-honored uh, tradition that uniformed soldier is a black mat and he walks up and down that mat and they take it as an honor. They, they take it as a, as a real duty to guard and mark that grave of those who have paid the ultimate price. And 21 steps in the 21 seconds, that's an honor of the 21-gun salute, which is the highest honor, you know, that you could give by way of tribute. And you ask any one of those guys who fills that, that, that role, and they take it so seriously. They, it's more than formality to them. It's, it's like, man, it's like honor. It's like tribute. It's like respect. It's like, man, it goes deep. It really means something. And so click, clack, click, clack, click, clack. They, they just keep doing that. And you know they've been doing it in an unbroken chain since 1937 like round the clock, 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, pacing, click, clack, click, clack. They're just walking, making those steps. 
Guess, guess when, though, you hear one of those soldiers complain? When you think that would be, right? Never. <laughs> guess when they have their day off? Never. No. The stifling heat, the bitter cold, the, the hurricanes, the, the weather. One time, the, the, you know, Katrina, uh, Isabel, all the hurricanes that came through, they rocked and pummeled the Capitol, right? There's a, there's, a, there's a guy there, Sergeant First Class Frederick Geary. He hears this huge, sharp, cracking sound, and this tree busts down like 50 feet away from him, right? And, and around him, there are 24 trees falling that night. Bam, 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 in the dark, and he does not flinch. Click. Clack, click, clack, click, clack. Does that describe your life with Christ? Does it matter that much to you? Like when stuff happens and it gets hard and when life just gets tough, what happens to you in that relationship that you're guarding? I wonder how much it means to us. We, we, we need disciples in a, in a day like ours where, you know, life is hard, right? We can admit that. Following Jesus, it, it can be hard and we need we need. Christ followers who click, clack, follow in his steps in unswerving loyalty and faithfulness like it doesn't matter what the weather is. And I want to be like that. First Peter, this book we're digging in and mining here to help us. First Peter, Peter's the guy who hung out with Jesus so much and he says that in our text for today in chapter two, he says that Jesus Christ is like our cornerstone. He's our cornerstone, that big, you know, sturdy capstone that sort of the whole building is based off of. He's a foundation and that God is busy building this incredible sort of holy building out of all of us and he's the foundation and you and I, we get to be built in with it like living stones. You say yes to Jesus, he's like, ha, ah, and he puts you into the house. We're not just free floating out here in the universe. Like, gee, what am I supposed to make of myself and my life? No, we're cemented in place together. Why? So we can stand firm in a spiritual house, not because you're so great, not because you're so faithful, not because you're so mature, so wise, or so, so Bible smart or so strong, but because our foundation is firm and secure. Jesus is the rock that doesn't roll on Christ, the solid rock I stand, Peter says. Every other inch of ground is sinking sand, and so we can just walk that walk that way and stand firm. And whatever winds are howling, whatever's going on for you, like what's your problem? I mean, you got people that think you're nuts for following Jesus. You got relatives think you're crazy because you want to forgive someone or be generous or try to strive for sexual purity. You got people that think we're crazy for believing this or, or you're just going through something on your own that's really just tough. It's a sickness. It's a, I don't know, a financial issue or a marriage thing and people are crumbling around you and Peter says, he says, but not you. Oh, man, you're a chosen people, a peculiar. You got the marks of Jesus all over you. 
because you're anchored into that cornerstone and you're, you're different and you can handle storms. When others, when others are running for cover and desperately running and wavering and swaying and caving and you're standing firm. That's the picture. It's like, yeah, I want to live like that. I want to live more like that. How about you? You want to live more like that? That's, that would make Peter like, Yes, because that's why he wrote this book. He wrote, he wrote it to, to people who were scattered. They, they couldn't get together like they wanted to. He, he, he wrote it to people who were divided because there was like disagreements all over the place, even amongst themselves. And, and they were persecuted because not everyone thought what they were doing was great. And they were discouraged because it was a little hard. Does any of that sound familiar? <laughs> Scattered, divided, persecuted, and discouraged. He wrote this letter in God's beautiful timing right to them, but it fits for us so beautiful, and we've got the same kind of problems because outside the church seems like there's a growing animosity toward Christianity, like, you know, you just gotta be really stupid to be one of those or believe the stuff that they believe, and then we got more problems inside. Seems like there's a greater rift and gaps of disagreement between Christians on everything from politics to mass to music, who knows, whatever, and, and Peter, Peter's this dude who lived and hung out with Jesus Jesus for like three years. He knew Jesus as well as anyone knew him. Personal besties like hanging out, they were tight for three years. He learned what it looks like to live a Jesus life in a hostile world. He saw it firsthand and was drawn into it. And so later, it's this same guy, Peter, who's walking with Jesus, who says, man, you can walk with me as I walk with Jesus too. 1 Peter 2.21 and says, in fact, that's what you're called to. And let me remind you, he says, I watched as Jesus suffered, by the way, and we all have now seen Jesus suffered. And, and he left you an example, not just, you know, when he said nice things, when he loved kids and, you know, patted, you know, people on the back, but when he suffered, he left you an example. Why? So that you should follow in his steps. Click, clack, click, clack. We're following in the steps of Jesus who sometimes suffered. So that's what it means to take our stand. I mean, you follow Jesus, sometimes he takes you places and sometimes he teaches you how to take your stand. So we're calling the whole series Stand. It seems like that's Peter's main message, Stand. So we start out by saying, man, sometimes you just gotta realize we're called to be different than, than everyone around us and, and to stand out for God and to be pure in a corrupt world. And then last week, it was beautiful the way we talked about how, man, we've gotta stand together in a really divided world. It's a call to unity, isn't it? in this divided day. And today, it's like Peter wants to help us see we gotta stand firm because there's hardship, there's struggle, there's not always easy. And if you wilt and wash away, then there's nothing left. You gotta stand firm. It's a call to perseverance. He's, he's trying to help his readers suffer well. To continue to live well and walk with Christ, who also suffered, and to find encouragement in that. Some, some people called First uh, Peter the Job of the New Testament. You know, remember the Job guy? The Job's the guy in the Old Testament. He's like all the bad, I mean, everything bad that happened happened to him. Bam, he just got hit with every stuff. And, and then, and yet somehow he's still faithful to God. And this is the message of Peter. 
It's the one that Jesus laid out for his followers, that to, to endure through everything, to have a kind of perseverance through everything. What Peter does not say is that, hey, I got good news for you. Once you follow Jesus and sign up for that, he takes you kind of straight you know, to the bank and then over to a marshmallow factory where you can fill up and eat all you want. It's gonna be a bed of roses. There's gonna be Skittles and unicorns and stuff falling from the sky, rainbows every day. He doesn't say any of that. He says you're gonna walk, click, clack in his steps and his steps led him to a cross. So there's gonna be some stuff and you're gonna to have to learn to endure. That's not in the message that a lot of us think the Bible tells us, but it's pretty much what's there. And some of you are going through a big struggle right now. I mean, probably all of us are going through something. And like me, maybe you've prayed that God would take it away, but it's still with you and, and it's like that's what Peter wants to say is, you know, sometimes God takes those things away. Sometimes he helps you get over it or around it, but sometimes, man, he just takes you right through it. Are you going through something? Sometimes in my life I go through things and I don't even want to admit it. Like, I'm not going through anything because I prayed that God would get me out of it. But sometimes he just takes you through it. How, how, do, you, how do you react when suffering comes? Because it comes for everybody, right? Do you kind of tremble in self-pity or fear at the mere thought of another painful thing coming into your life? Is that how you do it? Or do you, or do you just kind of rise to the occasion? A lot of us are kind of somewhere between, aren't we? Peter's encouragement is about perseverance in faith. That's, that's, what, that's the message here. He's not saying you got to get up every morning and just kind of drag yourself into the world and, you know, just get ready for your drubbing. But nor is he saying, you know, the right Christian posture is to kind of paste on a plastic smile and just say it's a victorious day and ignore all the trouble and just pretend it's all great. No, the lesson of First Peter is that because of what Jesus has done, you have strength, you have a foundation, you have a cornerstone in this and you can do something that others can't do. You can push through troubles because you know something that others don't and that is that these are temporary issues that we're facing and, and that we've got bigger fish to fry because we're walking click clack every day with Jesus no matter what's going on we carry out that mission we stay connected to him and the Bible says nothing can separate us from him so it, with that background Peter shouts this beginning to his book first Peter chapter 1 verse 3 through 7 let's read several verses together let's look at it all praise to God the father of our Lord Jesus Christ because it's by his great mercy that that we've been born again into a living, what's the word? Hope, you got it. How did that happen? How do we have hope? Because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. What happened in the past is infusing the present moment with hope and a future. Now, therefore, we live with great expectation and we have a priceless inheritance. Those are things about the future. We have an inheritance that's kept in heaven. It's in the safe deposit box. It's Holy Spirit's garden. It's there for you. It's pure. It's undefiled. It'll be there when you need it. It's beyond the reach of any change, problem, struggle, or decay the world can bring. It's locked up. There's your hope. And through your faith in all of that, God is protecting you right now by his power until you receive this full-blown salvation. We got the part down payment of salvation. Now we get the full payment then, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for 
all to see. Even the doubters and the people said it ain't happening. It's gonna happen and they'll all see it. So, so what? All that's future. What does it mean for today when I'm going through it? Here it is. So be truly glad. Be glad. I'm, what is happening is bad. I am mad. I want to feel sad. He says what? Be glad. Go figure. Because there's wonderful joy ahead, even though you must endure many trials for yeah, a little while. These trials will show you that your faith is genuine. Now he gets into another idea here. He says, your faith is being tested just as fire tests and purifies gold. Though your faith is far more precious than gold. So when your faith remains strong through, through, there's that word, through the trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. It'll bring praise and glory and honor to you, but also to Jesus. This is a lot of stuff. This is big stuff. But he says you can be glad today, whatever you're going through, when you realize what God has done for us to give us a living hope, which can never be defeated because of the resurrection of Christ. So even death can't take away our joy and our gladness. And then she talks about this suffering. And he's not talking just about Christ's suffering and our suffering. He's talking about all of it together because he saw the suffering of Jesus. He saw firsthand the Jesus weeping in the garden of Gethsemane. He saw him weeping over Jerusalem. He saw him beaten and then hanged on a cross. And yet it's because of that grief that Peter witnessed that we today, he says, can have joy even in our own suffering. So stay with me. This is a little dense. This is a little tricky, but stay with me here. This is the main reason Paul, Peter's writing this letter. He's saying, I want to I promise you something. I want to assure you of, of, that your hope is rock solid and unwavering on a foundation that will never crumble so you can stand firm and cling to hope and face trials of any kind. You're going to go through it. But you can stand firm. Then he gives several reasons why you can endure and persevere and even be glad in the middle of stuff. The first reason he gives is that the hope we have in Christ points us beyond our trials. You caught that, right? It's like, he's like, he's saying, we know the end of the story. We know how this ends. I know, I know what it looks like right now, but we know the end of the story. Don't forget that. And you've got this hope and that lifts your head. It lifts your sights. It lifts your heart. It lifts your spirits. And you can see out of it and over it and, and through it to what lies beyond. Because troubles are only for a little while, he says. But our hope in Christ is what? Forever. See, troubles are for a while. Christ, yeah, our hope in Christ is for a while. And that's not to minimize what you're going through, but it's like this is either true or it's not. And the second thing he says is he wants to help us see that the stuff you're going through, there's even a blessing hidden inside of it. What is that, you say? Why, why could I be glad? He says, because there's a blessing in trials. Because, listen, check it out. In order for faith to endure, it's got to get stronger or it's just going to wilt. And the only way it can get stronger is by being tested. And when it's tested, he likens it to this fire thing where it's refined and purified through, through the, the trials and the struggles and the junk and the crud and the pain that we go through. It's not wasted. It's, 
It's doing something. Verse seven, he likens it to gold, you know, that has to pass through this furnace when they burn off the impurities and it's like a fire that's making it more valuable. He says, that's what you're like when you go through stuff and you're like, I hate this. I want out of this. God, make it stop. And God's like, oh man, if only you could see what I'm seeing right now. You're finally learning to trust me. And our faith, which is way more valuable than gold, is purified sometimes in the things that we hate the most. So there's a hidden blessing sometimes in this crazy crud that happens to us. So Peter says, don't let it surprise you when bad stuff happens. It's not an indication that God's faithfulness has left you. It's like, oh no, this happened. Apparently God doesn't love me anymore. It's like, no, read your Bible. It's it's the opposite. It's like trials strengthen our trust in God so that our faith will not fail and you can stand firm. How does that work? Well, well, because trials keep us trusting because the fires of pain, we all know this, when we struggle, the fires of that pain, they burn away some of our self-confidence. Like, I got this, I got this, I'm good. I don't need any help because sometimes, you know what? You don't got it. Sometimes I'm not good. Sometimes I do need help. And it's in those moments when I finally can't fix it, I'm at the end of myself and I look up to God and I say, I can't do this. In that moment, I stick my hand out and I feel his and for the first time in a while, I get past my fake Christianity and I got something real and now I've got a faith that's stronger than it was before. Peter was in the boat. There's a, there's a storm going on and Jesus says, come here and he does and then he takes his eyes off the Lord, right? This is Peter. He starts sinking. What does he do? He says, help I don't got this, I'm not good, I might need your help. And in that moment, his hand comes down to Peter's hand and he lifts him up and he walks. Do you think Peter's faith was stronger after that? You better believe it. And so he's saying, that's what can happen to you. I know you're scared, I know you're sinking, I know you're thinking you're going down for the last time, but Jesus really is right there. Where are you looking? Keep your eyes on him. He's the one and he's gonna get you through this. God might be preparing you for something right now, but you're not strong enough and he's using. I'm not sure he sent that trouble, but he'll use it to get you ready for whatever's next. So don't run from it. Sometimes we just gotta stay stand under it in order to get through it. Remember that phrase, stand under it in order to get through it. This is why Paul will say in the New Testament, Romans 5, 3, he'll say something like, sufferings, I got a PhD in sufferings, and you know what? We glory in them. In other words, we show them off because we know something that a lot of people don't know. They're embarrassed by their sufferings. They're they're ashamed of them or they, they try to avoid them like the plague. And Paul says, nope, not me. We glory in them because they produce perseverance. And perseverance is the key to faith. It's the key to standing firm. James says it this way. The testing of your faith is the thing that produces perseverance. Same, same principle. So perseverance has to finish its work. So let it do it. That's how you grow up. It's how you get mature. Let me show you something about this word, perseverance. It's from a Greek word. Last, last week, you know, they, they used so many Greek words. It's like, man, I got to show these guys. I know a Greek word. So here's one for you. It's a lovely one. It's called hupomone. Hupomone. And it means 
Persevere, this translated persevere in our New Testaments. And it's the idea of endurance, referring to this characteristic a person has of unwavering loyalty to God and faithfulness to everything, even when it's hard, hupomone. Now, let me break it down because it's interesting. It's made up of two words. If you look at them there, you can see it, hupo and mone, hupo, mone, right? Mone is from that word meno that, that means remain, or stay or abide when Jesus in John 15 says, remain in me and I will remain in you. Abide with me. You know what? That, that's, that's Jesus right there using that word, mone, remain, stay right there. And then the word hopo is just a preposition that means under. So think about this. Hupomone, persevere, it means to remain under. To just stay right there under it. To just remain under. I've had times when I've asked God, can you get me out of this? This thing is too heavy. And he removes that burden. It's like a hallelujah moment. But sometimes, you know what? God doesn't always help you get out from under stuff. He just helps you remain under it and to bear up under it. Sometimes you gotta suck it up and keep going and remain under something. You don't quit, you don't leave, you just hang in there and you, you, you just show faithfulness to God. And by the way, it's the same way that you show faithfulness to your wife and your kids and your community and your family and your, and your workplace and your responsibilities anywhere else, even people who drive you nuts. In this whole world, we have a responsibility to bear up under some of the stuff that, that others put on you. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians in that love chapter, love's like that. It always protects and trusts and hopes and what does it do? It remains under it perseveres. When I say I love you, it means that when I want to get away and, and out from under this, I, I stay in there. Friends, I hope you understand that Peter's not, Peter's not trying to scold us for the times when we haven't been very faithful or we haven't persevered. When we've when we've caved, he's not like shame on you, you know, I guess that kind of disqualifies. He's not, no, that's not at all where he is. He's the guy who, he failed more dramatically than any of us. That's not where he's coming from. He's just saying, you really can trust God. And sometimes it takes a trial to teach us that. Are you going through something right now that you're just doing everything you can to get out of and around when maybe if you remained under it, it would just force you to say, finally, I, I don't got this. I'm not good. I need your help. Stick your hand out to the one who's given us a living hope because he's alive. It's a nail-scarred hand now, but he can lift us. So you can remain under, you can move through. He might even remove it. I don't know. But you can trust God even in suffering and you can be glad even in struggle and pain because of the solid rock we have. When everybody else is running around desperately trying to figure out where to put their feet on some solid ground, when everyone else is trying desperately to figure out how they're gonna escape the pain, you can remain under it and just keep walking that walk, click, Clack, click, clack, click, clack. 24-7, 365, walk in the walk. 
That's how my mom has lived her life. A lot of you guys know that my parents celebrated 70 years of marriage this last week. They're 93, and it's been a really difficult time. Really through the whole pandemic was really hard on them, and there's a lot of stuff, but yeah, you know, just the deal is they live alone, they live together, and my mom's the Energizer Bunny, my dad's knees are shot, and so she's the one who holds everything together. And then she got hit by a car, and it broke her pelvis and some bones in her back, and it was so painful, and this, during COVID, it's horrible, so painful, and just everything was really hard. And then about that time, she got hit with a prolapse that, that meant that her insides were falling out, and it was excruciating to move, to stand, to sit, everything for months and months and months. I'm watching this, this mother that I love, this dear sweet woman of God suffer so, so much. And it took months and the surgery was backed up because it wasn't considered life-threatening and yada, yada. She's been through so much. So I'm watching all this and through it all, she, she and dad are just like putting on a clinic of everything we're talking about today, of perseverance, a display of what it looks like when people of God just trust him. So I'm sitting down with them last week at their kitchen table in Minnesota, right? And my mom starts riffing. She says, I want to read you from my devotional book. And I'm like, this is, this, I mean, she just drops gems when my dad and mom start talking. So I had the presence of mind to get up my phone. And I'm like, I start recording. And she's like, what are you doing? I was like, I just want to get this for Nathan. It was his birthday. And, and she just reads her little daily reading about perseverance. And I'm so glad I recorded it because now I just want to invite you to my folks' kitchen table. Because every time I come away, I, I come away like I've been hanging out with Peter. I just feel a little stronger and a little more like I could remain under. So pull up a chair and let her drop some of her wisdom on you. Here's my mom. The soul loses command of itself when it is impatient. Whereas when it submits without a murmur, it possesses itself in peace and possesses God. To be impatient is to desire what we have not or not to desire what we have. When we acquiesce in an evil, it is no longer such. Why make a real calamity of it by resistance? Peace does not dwell in outward things, but within the soul. We may preserve it in the midst of the bitterest pain if our will remains firm and submissive. Peace in this life springs from acquiescence even in disagreeable things, not in an exemption from bearing them. And that's from Francois de la Maffe Finelon. Yeah, Finelon. Well, they're not. Finelon, yeah. Finelon. Yeah. And, and the last thought is by Jean Nicolet Grau. I say that one. <laughs> the chief pang of most trials is not so much the actual suffering itself as our own spirit of resistance to it. Mm. So you can handle that for today. <laughs> and how have you experienced those words about 
pain and endurance yourself in the last yeah. two months. That's mainly what Dad and I pray about is to have more trust that the Lord's going to take care of everything. So that can bring a lot of peace to your mind and to your soul. Isn't that, hon, what we've been praying upon? Yeah. At times it's easier than others. <laughs> you know, and you think everything's comparative. You think about Jesus on the cross. The only thing he wanted was a drink of water. I thirst. But he didn't say, oh, this hurts so bad. <laughs> I can't stand this. When is it going to be over, Lord? But anyway, um, yeah, you think about real pain, and then you think about your own measly little pain. Come on. be fine. If the Lord's in it with you, then we know that all will be well, whatever the outcome. Yeah. That's what I've been telling people who call and say they're praying for me. I just say, we're in the Lord's hands. Mm -hmm. No matter what. And that's very, very, very reassuring and every single person says that is so true. Mm -hmm. They believe that too. Yeah. Just, um, you're not still recording, I hope. <laughs> I'm about to turn it off, but I was. <laughs> you're not still recording, I hope. My, mo my mom is about four foot ten. You could probably beat her in arm wrestling, but she's... She's got strong faith muscles, doesn't she? My folks are that same way. And did you catch the line in her weak voice? I, we're just praying that we'll have enough trust that God will take care of us. And I have to pray that same prayer. I can't be there with her. And I wonder what part of your life do you need to pray that prayer over? That you would grow in your trust what struggle or surrender do you need to give over to the Lord so you can endure, remain under it, or he can remove it either way. As she says, you'll be okay either way. I want to close the way Peter closes his book, 1 Peter 5.10, and let me just pray this scripture over you as our closing prayer. 1 Peter 5.10, in his kindness and grace, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, he will restore and support you and he will place you on a firm foundation. And so all power to him forever. Amen. I'll see you next week.